Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and I'm here as always with Admiral Elliot. Hello, welcome. And this week we're looking at the second episode of Season 2 of Discovery. After we've talked about that episode, we're going to be letting you know the winner of our competition for the tickets to WarpedCon at Doncaster Racecourse this summer. So stick around for that, but... Yeah, another week, another brand new episode of Discovery. This one, we nearly got the title right last week. We knew Eden. <laughs> we knew Eden was in there, so, <laughs> so we're not doing bad. Um, this one then, the writers, there were four different writing credits. So the teleplay was by Vaughn, Wilmot and um, Shan Cochran, and the story was by Akiva Goldsman and Cochran, and it was directed, of course, by Jonathan Frakes. So, looking at the, the writers involved, the Kiva Goldsman's one of the producers, quite heavily involved. Bit of a um, checkered history. Had something to do with uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But also... I think Jill Showmaker has to take the blame for them too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but also Academy Award winning for A Beautiful Mind. So, you know, and based on the strength of this episode, I'm, I'm willing to give them... Benefit of the doubt. Yeah, great job by Jonathan Frakes directing. Oh, yeah. Trek pedigree, and it showed. Definitely. Yeah, there was... I mean, we'll talk about the visuals as we go through, but there's some great shots in the episode. Um, the other writers that are involved, I did a bit of reading up on them, like an IMDb and whatnot, and they've not got a huge amount of credits. It seems like they're sort of bringing through like a younger writing staff now. Well, they did a good job. This felt like Star Trek. It was a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah, it did. It was sort of like a classic TOS, TNG, yeah. so away if, mission. So if they found new writers who can do this, long may it continue. Absolutely. So let's get stuck into the episode then. Um, it starts, we talked about the visuals. It starts with like a great shot of a nebula, uh, sort of like clouds in space and this sort of purpley pinkish sort of light and everything yeah it, uh, it looked beautiful it did it looked great and we got this lovely sort of zoom into the discovery and this is something that i've noticed they've been doing this season when we're seeing the ships we are spending a little bit more time looking at them the camera isn't darting about quite as much yeah we, uh, I, i'm quite liking it i think they've tweaked actually the visuals of the ships yeah. for this season they look I a lot crisper they look a lot yeah i agree with you i think they've sort of moved away a little bit from that sort of quite gritty, fast-paced, new, almost newsreel type, like Battlestar Galactica used to use. Yeah. And I think they kind of went that way with the war scenes, but now we're getting into a more... They may be finding their own footing. Like, yeah. I think all sci-fi series, they look at previous what's been really popular and they try emulate slightly, but then they find the, the two yeah. great sci-fi series all find their own footing and their own style. Yeah. And I think they've fallen into their own I style. Think, yeah, I think that's what we're seeing. And you as a big uh, model builder, model fan, must appreciate that we're getting longer shots to actually look at the ships. I I really am. Um, the Discovery model is out very soon. It's on pre-order. Right. Um, and I think I'm going to be pre-ordering one. It's, it's not going to be the same scale as your Enterprise no, A, is it? I'm going to say no, that. It's, no, it's such... Well, it's quite like... It's a 1 to 2500. Right. It's... It, the actual model's about 10 inches long. It's quite a large 1 to 2500 ship. Right. But well, It's them nacelles <laughs> again that just go That's off what forever. makes it so big, but... And it'll be quite a tricky build, I'd imagine, with the three, the three rings connected yeah, and everything. I imagine it will, but I've also noticed that... 
I've mentioned before, you can see the Aztecing pattern. Yeah. A lot this season when they've done the close-ups on Discovery. So it's going to be quite nice. It's going to be quite interesting to see how quick a Aztec pattern is out for it to buy. Oh, somebody will be on it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and while we've got all these great visuals going on, we get a voiceover from Spock. And it's it's a replay of what we heard at the end of last week. But this time, Burnham's letting Pike in on it. Yeah, and she's played it to Pike. And yeah. And I picked up on this, says he had nightmares as a child in this and that they've yeah. come back. Which we don't, again, necessarily think of with Vulcans that they would have nightmares. But, but we've got to remember he's half human. Yeah. And, and I, think the, I think they're looking into a lot of his earlier life. I think that's what we're yeah we're doing because I mean when we when we meet Spock in the original series, he's sort of quite at peace with himself and yeah, um, but suicides and everything. But when we saw him in the cage, he was up, he was still displaying emotions yeah, yeah. in the cage. So and this like is, the cage is set, I think eleven twelve years before it's we first see him in the original in the original series. series. So it's about two years but before this is where about we are now. Three two three years, yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm just thinking now, I wonder if... Because a lot of people for years have complained about, well, he's too emotional in the cage and whatnot. And maybe we're going to see... That the retconning and yeah, putting it the in reason there. for it, maybe that was the start of whatever this breakdown Possibly. was that's led him to where we get him here. Um, so we have then Burnham and Pike talking about what's going on with Spock. Um, we find out that two months ago, Spock checked himself into... Uh, it's just described as sort of a, a psychiatric unit on Starbase tw- uh, 5, rather. And I liked here the sort of concern you get from Burnham. She refers to him straight up as my brother. There's no yeah. sort of ambiguity about yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're told. Yeah, and she's asking why I want the family informed and everything. And it's it's very clearly sort of establishing that they are a family unit, albeit one that's been a little bit estranged. But I think there was a bit of speculation. You know, people were saying, well, maybe the reason Spock's not mentioning is because they weren't that close and blah, blah, blah. And I think they're, they're putting paid to that and saying, no, this is very clearly a family. Yeah. And so we're getting this concern that she's got and wanting to know what's going on with him. Though we do find out they've not spoken in years. And then we get a little bit of background to Pike, which I thought was really interesting. He says his, his father was a science teacher, but when he wasn't doing that... Oh, sorry, he... He was a scientist, but when he wasn't doing that, he was teaching religion. Yes, which is very cross. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I suppose it's you know it ties into what we're going to get in the rest of this episode and kind of the theme of the season so far. But I like that it's deepening Pike as a character. Yeah, I, I'm 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 loving Pike. I think I think he's awesome. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's sort of the antidote, isn't he, to Lorca? Like he's coming yeah. in. He's a proper Star Trek captain. Yeah, he's proper Starfleet. Yeah, is is a very sort of admirable kind of character. Yeah, he's winning the crew over very quickly. Yeah, he's really really good. He's obviously been to like some sort of management course or something. How to win friends and influence people because he is doing a really yeah. good job of that. Um, Burnham gets a chance there to tell him about the angel, but doesn't. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's a fact a case that she doesn't trust him or she's sort of doesn't know how to explain it herself yeah. because she's very science and how yeah. do I say it? I saw an angel because yeah. she doesn't believe in angels No, that's it. and I she think... makes that quite clear as the episode yeah. goes on I think it's that I think she hasn't reconciled it yet yeah 
and so she's not ready to talk about it and the events of this episode kind of changed that. The only thing I sort of thought with that is she says, so Captain, when we were down on the planet, and then he says, what, what? And she's like, oh, I never said thank you. And it's so obvious that in what she was going to say. Yeah, she was off to... That she changed her mind. Yeah. and you But know, he didn't push it either. No, Pike knows that that's not what she actually yeah. wanted to tell. Um, and but he didn't push the fact. He, no. he sort of, he needs her to come out and... Yeah, he's giving her to... the space to come to him when she's ready with it. Um, so then we have quite a sort of fast pace. This is all before we even get to the credits. Um, we have this thing like Tilly's come up with this idea to try and uh, track the, the red burst. And we get quite a bit of technobabble about we need a red signal, and but we can't detect it from the distance that we're going to need. So what we're going to have to do is a short walk. A short walk, but which I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that works. Uh, no, but, um, but it was technobabble. Yes, yeah. it it allowed them to find yeah, out where it pinpointed. It does. It, for some reason, jumping to warp gets the job done. So that that's that. Like I've got problems that they could use the long range sensors to scan something. 51,000 light yeah. years away. But only if you do a quick warp jump for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm mm, not quite sure. But then that's a Star Trek thing, isn't it? Somebody yeah. says, babble, 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 and you go, yeah, okay, let's do it. And yeah. We move and, on. Like, they can't get there because it's 51,000 light years away. Yeah. And it's going to take them 150 years, which works out... Which gives you an idea that um, Discovery must have a maximum speed of warp seven. Oh, so that's right. what warp cool. seven works out at. There we go. <laughs> so I've not, I've not done the maths. On um, that. I was looking at one of the charts on speeds and distances, yeah. and warp seven is. Oh, there how we it works go. Out. Then, so then that that kind of ties in really. Which with sounds where about we are. right for yeah. where it should be. The time we knew the Enterprise <clears> did warp eight, but it was the fastest ship going. Yeah. So it ties in that, quite nicely. Yeah, that works out. Um, so all of this leads to we're, we're going back to the spore drive and I was surprised to to revisit that as quickly as we did. Yeah, I, I got the impression from last episode that it was being dismantled. Yeah, well, And that's why I thought yeah. that we had all the worker bees inside. Yeah, because they said we're, we're retrofitting the yeah. um, Stamets' lab and we're, we're well, obviously they haven't the dismantled the, no, maybe the spore drive. Halfway through doing it. But <laughs> another interesting thing with the spore drive, Stamets started talking about how last time he was in there, he saw Hugh. Yeah, which was good. It's, and, I like. And it was after he died. And we were speculating last week. Yeah. How would she, how would he come back? We were. And perhaps he, uh, how he's going to come back is Stamets is going to pull him out of the something like when that. He, and I, th- <laughs> I think we we sort of talked about when we did our season one recap that. The the decommissioning of the spore drive seemed to be all over a little bit too quickly and maybe not a good enough reason given why we can't use it again. Yeah. And I get the impression that we're gonna find out this season. Um, you know, there's gonna be a definitive reason as to why we cannot well, use this technology well, again. Well, I've got another I've got another theory that actually the technology is still there and it's section thirty one have it because we ah. used to see um Agent Sloan appeared all over the that's the true, Federation actually. very, very quickly. Ah, that could, and that could that, tie into the Giorgio series. And, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. That, but that's that's my own personal theory yeah. on this. I've not read this anywhere. My own personal theory is Section 31 will take the technology and it will be a Section 31 technology. That would be interesting, <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
the upshot of it all is we're going to use the spore drive again. We get this brilliant bit where they kind of explain it all. Oh. And supposedly for Pike's benefit, but really for anybody Pike, who's not Pike's paying line, attention. If you you tell me that this ship can uh, skim across across the universe on a highway of mushrooms, yeah. I'll take it on faith. Yeah, that was very good. <laughs> and then he says, be bold. Uh, what does he say? Be bold, be brave, be courageous. Yeah. And that's again talking about like how good he is at winning the crew over. You know, whereas you just had Law Crew just said go and that was it. Whereas Pike's really kind of instilling confidence in him. And then you get Stamets sort of storms out, not now till you don't want to talk about yeah. it. The implication being that perhaps he has seen Hugh again. Or, well, or, something's happened in Or perhaps there. he's disappointed that he didn't. You know, we don't, we don't know. And I like the fact that we've gone back to that because it was a bit weird that he saw Hugh in the mycelial network. Yeah. And it was never quite clear what were going on at the end. And I, I like that we've we've gone back to that and we're addressing it now because it did appear to be really crossing over like into the realm of fantasy rather than yeah. science fiction. But we're, we're coming back and we're dealing with it. So this this is all great stuff, and I think it's it's good that it's addressing the things that people felt hadn't been thoroughly yeah. addressed before. I've, I I honestly think that the writers between season one and season two. There's a lot of things being on a lot of forums and fans have been saying things and I think they've listened to what the fans are saying and what they want and you're addressing it and trying to yeah. give up and they're trying to please us and they are pleasing us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the response to these first two episodes has been brilliant and we're still not at the opening credits yet but we do get our first sort of shot of this new planet so we're in the Beta Quadrant further than any human should have ever been able to go. And the first thing we see is a church, which... Well, no, that's not the first thing we see. The first thing we see is Discovery arriving Orbis. Yeah, true. And I don't know if you noticed, but Discovery is upside down. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice, because it's something that a lot of fans say, every ship is always facing yeah. the right way. And no, Discovery arrived at the planet, and it's upside down. It's not a problem to Discovery, because nope. it's got artificial gravity. Yeah, exactly. So that's how it is. Yeah, no, that uh, is going to pick it's up on that. It's a beautiful shot as well of Discovery Over the Planet. Yeah, and then we we zoom in, we see this church, which is the religious iconography again. Yeah. And that kind of, it is one of them classic sort of TOS mysteries. You know, why is this thing there? How have we got a human colony here? They've yeah. got, there's no evidence of any ships. There's no power on the planet. There's, they don't yeah. use electricity. <laughs> And it, it does set us up nicely for, for what's going to come in the episode. After we get back from the opening credits then, we have a meeting in Pike's brand new ready room. He has brought yes. some sofas in. <laughs> um, either either the camera is much further back than it ever was with Lorca, or Pike's knocked a wall out or something to expand the room. <laughs> Because it, it seems to have a lot more depth than it did before. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. That's fine. He said he wanted people to come and have a sit down, and he's done it. So. <laughs> and then we get a, a reference to World War Three, which we don't often talk no, about in Star um, Trek. I know World War Three was... It's been mentioned in Next Generation. Yeah. It, it was mentioned in the first episode of Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, the post-atomic horrors yeah. that Q um, creates. We had it in First Contact again. Yeah. 
That was the, and I think they've that. actually, I think they've actually kept the dates the same. They seem to have done, yeah. I mean, this is where one. It, it's one of them where the date is still far enough in the future from where we are now that yeah. it can still remain. It, it, we don't have to change it, it too much. <laughs> like the thing, I mean, the the history of sort of what they call World War Three and everything. I mean, it's always been subject to a lot of fan speculations. In the original series, we obviously had the eugenics wars. We can mention, yeah. Um, I, I, any of our fans who were on our Facebook page, I posted a video there that was quite interesting. That showed Gary Seven taking cans, yeah, oh, can yeah. off and showing how it. The yeah, I've the read the the, um, the books of that, the <laughs> the fallen rise of Can Nooney and Singh, and they're quite good. They're sort of an alternate history, like they they tie in a lot of things that happened in history to. Actually, it was a secret Cold War that was yeah. going on with Khan. And that sort of feeds into the point I was going to make, that originally... They've tried to retcon the dates. Yeah, they, they've retconned the date. We were always told there was this eugenics wars, and the implication we get in the original series is that it was this huge war that was fought out in the open. But then we've gone back to the 90s in, like, Voyager and things, and Khan wasn't ruling the world, so... Within the fiction, it's not been sort of canonically confirmed, but the general assumption now is that the eugenics wars were almost sort of a secret war that was going on. Like, Khan was a legitimate dictator who ruled half the earth, but people didn't really Really know what was going on. Yeah. And they've also separated out the two things, whereas in the original series, World War Three and the eugenics wars were pretty interchangeable. We now have got this definitive thing that the eugenics wars happened in the 90s. The World, World War, War Three, like uh, 2050s, 2050s or something. So I like that we've separated out those two things and that we're, we're very clearly dealing with the World War Three side of it. So we have a discussion then um, about General Order 1, which we also know as the Prime Directive. But I think this is, again... Uh, trying to conform with canon, isn't it? So I think they called it General Order 1 in the original series. Yeah, I've heard it called Ge- General Order 1 before. Yeah, so. so I think what they're doing there is trying not to introduce the terminology that wouldn't come in until later. But it is one of the classic debates. Should should they be able to interface? This is a well, pre-warp civilization. But it's also a human colony, and there has been precedent in previous... Yeah. The 37s, uh, Janeway had no course, problem telling yeah. them what had happened. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the other thing as well is it's it's a human colony, but something has already interfered with the normal development to take them there. Yeah, because they they shouldn't be there in the first place. So, and then you get um, a few quotes like Pike references there are more things in heaven and earth, and we find out that Burnham, like all good Star Trek lead characters, has a good grounding in Shakespeare. Yeah, and then he quotes Clack. Clack's third law. The now I like Clack's third law. Yeah, the it's it's one of them where I mean Pike quotes it correctly, and he talks about the the reinterpretation that but aliens could be any, seen as any gods. extraterrestrial race uh, with, that's sufficiently advanced could will appear as a god. Will appear as a god. With Clack's third law, there's kind of been a bit of misunderstanding of it, mainly because of the Thor films where you get. <laughs> Bits in Thor where they say, Jane says something like, magic is just science we don't understand, which isn't what Clark was saying at all. 
he was saying that if there is sufficiently advanced technology, it will look like magic to someone yeah. who doesn't understand it. And it's um, been and it's it's then being debated, and it's now uh, any extraterrestrial civilization yeah. that's sufficiently advanced will appear as a god. And I think we can chalk one. Up, I think we can chalk this up as a retrek victory here because we were talking last week. Are we going to be looking at aliens that could be perceived as gods? Yeah. And I think you made the point that maybe we're going to be talking about all religions coming together in one yeah. place, and that's and, what we get. And we get here. here, we get all religions join. Yeah, they have exactly. A, they have their Bible, and it's part Muslim, yeah. part Christian, part Judea, part um, Wiccan. I think they yeah, mentioned they, at one they mentioned point. Wiccan. <laughs> Notably, they don't mention Scientology though. That no. doesn't get a call out or Jedi. But um, yeah, so. You get the bit, uh, the putting together the team, which again, that's a classic next gen thing. Like, who do we need on this team? And um, Burnham recommends Lieutenant, if I pronounce this wrong, I apologise, but it's Owasakun or Joanne, we'll call her. We'll go with Joanne. We'll go with Joanne. Just until we, we like her, so we're on first name terms Absolutely. now. Absolutely. <laughs> just until we get more used to hearing her name. Um, and. I like that you get a little bit of background to her. She was born in a Luddite collective on yeah. Earth, which that sounds like we're going to get a short trek for that at yeah. some point, surely. Well, they have said that we have to get some of these other people yeah. in short treks. But going back to Joanne, what I'm liking is we didn't see any of these other bridge officers in the first season. No. And already in episode, episode one, we got introduced to them all mm-hmm. and we got a little bit and they had more. She's on an away mission, one of them already. Yeah, exactly. In the episode, it's great. And it and it's not just a case of she's just there for backup. She goes because she specifically has a As, skill yeah. that will make her useful to this mission. Yeah. So I like that. And um, then Tilly's off doing her own thing with this asteroid that yeah. we don't find out straight away what she's doing. We just sort of, we, we go into the scene when she's halfway through doing something and we find out a little bit later Yeah, that you can sort of work out she's taken a bit out. Yeah, oh, we know she's taken a bit out, but we don't know why at first. And it's because she thinks that the dark matter out of this, they can use to build something so that Stamets doesn't have, yeah. to, doesn't have to interface with the, um, the spore drive, which theoretically will mean that the spore drive could be viable again. It'd be viable in... All the fleet. All the fleet, because we find out there, and I like that as well, like, in the uh, end of season one, we're told that they're not going to use the spore drive, but here we find out it's specifically because it violates the ban against genetic manipulation, which makes sense. So that, I like that again, it's addressing things people have had issue with, and it's doing them in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, I like that when we get down onto the planet and we're looking around the church, Pike shows himself to be a very practical kind of person, like Burnham saying, we're going to have to pour through all this thing. And he says, no, why don't we look at the pictures? Yeah, except for those who can't read. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she's reading it, and, he, and it, it's lovely. She's reading it, what's happened. And it's panning round the different uh, stained glass windows. Yeah. And you get an image of them all. Yeah, and we see all these different things. And also there's what appears to be the red angel in the stained glass windows, which will... We get onto a little bit more. Um, then we get, eventually they meet the natives. I like that Pike says we're from the north, which is the sort of thing Kirk always used <laughs> yeah, to say. we're from the north. We're, we're from another <laughs> settlement just up the road. <laughs> and, but it works because 
when they first scan the planet, they say there's something like... 11,000 people 11, in people. 10 settlements yeah, across so the planet. So you can get away with this, we're from another tribe kind of thing. Um, so again, it's very quirky, that sort of approach to it. We get a bit of a ceremony where they kind of welcome them um, into the... And did you notice, like, the head priestess, I'm not sure, head priestess, whatever she was, Yeah. but she was dressed all in red, Yeah. with a red hood over Which, and all over... Red Angel again. Yeah, it makes sense if they've <laughs> taken that as like their symbol, yeah. that they would dress to to kind of reflect that. Um, and then, yeah, we get a little bit sort of delving into the, the main dilemma again. Like Burnham sort of pushes it a little bit. Have, have you got a scientific explanation? Have you got an alternative? And the head priestess says, there's no need for proof when we're guided by faith, which again, we're bringing back this, yeah. Science versus faith thing that we're looking at. I think I, I agree. I think that's going to be a big thing all yeah, season. It's, it's certainly. It's like, I don't. I don't think they're going to be looking for God, but and no. I don't think. I We've don't done think, that once and it didn't work out. No, I don't think they'll even answer it. I think. I think you might have that. This could appear this way, but it isn't. Or, yeah, I think that's or it the could thing. Be. I think we'll find out who the Red Angels are. Um, but yeah, I'm it, still going with the Iconians. Yeah, I've. Uh, I think there's a few people who have latched on. We, well, we said it first, but <laughs> I also I watched Con- Contagion, the Next oh, Generation yeah. episode this morning, and where they had uh, ran into the Iconians and what happened to the Yamato. Yeah, and uh, massive system failure, and that's ah, what happened the to Enterprise. the Enterprise. Fair point. Yeah, like and like the Yamato was um, catastrophic system failure. Yeah. And that was a, a uh, galaxy clash. Yeah, as but well, I, so. I'm also wondering if it's catastrophic because it's so computer controlled. There was more to go wrong. Ah, maybe it could be. Yeah, and that's why the Enterprise didn't blow up. Right, that it wasn't quite as. Yeah, it's an older, more sort older, of so there's, there's a bit. Yeah, there's that bit of mechanical there still in the analog. Yeah, that could well be it. Um, and then we do get introduced to this character Jacob, who, who is the sort of technologically minded one. And he reveals that his family has been looking into this, and that's yeah. always been their thing. Yeah, to try he's and... been playing that um, little distress call. <coughs> yeah, not, but it was actually a repeat of. Yeah, he's been playing the same distress call for two hundred yeah. years because his family's faith effectively is that Earth still exists, that they survived the Third World War, and that somehow they'll come looking. Whereas. Everyone the, else thinks that all that's left of Earth. Yeah, they believe that they were saved for a reason and that as a result of that, they're the only ones left. Um, we then move back to the ship and we've got Tilly in sick bay and we meet this mysterious May character. Yeah, what do we think of May? Uh, well, I've got a few theories as to what's going on. I mean, we'll, we'll jump around a bit then and talk about the revelation as to who she is because when we first had this scene with May, I wondered what on earth was going on because she's got she she's got an unusual accent, but she also speaks with a very strange cadence. She's got a um, it's Caribbean. Yeah, but it, it it's not just the accent, it's that the way she's talking is like she's talking to a child. Yeah. And I think with what we find out later that's deliberate. And also the way She's framed in the shot. The close-ups on her are closer up than we usually get. Yeah. And she's almost looking directly at the camera. And she's always just... She just stands where in one place. Yeah. She doesn't move around. She stands where yeah, she is. Yeah, it's... It, and it really threw me when we first watched it. And then 
when you get to the end of the episode, you're like, right, I, I understand now why they've done that. And it turns out she is uh, an old friend of Tilly's yeah. from school. And but we also find out that she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> now, this is my theory. Um, Tilly had that little bit of the spores that landed on her shoulder at ah. the end of last season. So I think she is a remnant or a, a something from the mycelial network in the same way that Hugh is appearing to Stamets. Ah. I think that spore has somehow put Tilly in touch with it. And I think that ultimately this is all going to answer the question of why we can't use the spore drive. Because if it's bringing people back from the dead... Possibly. You, you can't have a technology... And also, that, this is how it's going to bring Hugh back. It'll, it'll bring Hugh back, but then... You know, you can understand... Because he's listed as a season regular for he season is, two, yeah. which is... You but can, he's dead. <laughs> you can understand the Federation absolutely outright banning a technology if the use of it... Brings random people back to yeah, life. ...can interfere with life and death. Yeah. And presumably it can interfere with life and death across the entire universe and the entire multiverse because that's where the mycelial network yeah. spans. So... I think that's where it's going, but we'll we'll see how that all pans out. Um, I like that Tilly, when she's talking to herself, she's like, where's Michael? She wants Burnham to run these <laughs> ideas past. And if May is sort of just a representation of Tilly's own thoughts, it turns out she can do it all herself, you know? Yeah. I like when um, Saru comes and has a chat with her and he says, you're important, and he puts his hand <laughs> on her shoulder and everything. It's really nice that he's taking this that, almost yeah. sort of paternal role with her. That was interesting. That to make himself look important when he joined, he learnt ninety federation language, and she says fluently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which you know, good on him. But we do have universal translators yeah, for a reason. <laughs> Not really, but you know. Although it has been shown, we have seen that the still need to be able yeah, to. Yeah, it's spin. useful. Like Sato, it was very useful yeah. and. Um, a horror and everything. It'd come in when they had to infiltrate Klingon space in Star yeah. Trek Six, <laughs> and then we get to sort of the meat of the the plot of the episode. Then, so there's an extinction level event that's going to hit in sixty two minutes, and this prompts Saru to say, "Well, maybe the red burst turned up and brought us here. This is why to try and resolve." Yeah. This. So. Are they being tested? Well, I think it's they are being tested, and it's almost like a game, because on Star Trek Online it flashes like red, mm. a bit like what you're seeing yeah, on this, yeah. and you shoot over there, it, right? It's actually your alert. Okay. So this is the second one they've gone to, but at the first one they collected a rock. True. They need the rock to finish the second one. That's it's, true. It's actually. like a game. Yeah, they're, they're getting the bits as they go along. Yeah, no, it's like a game. A very good and it's point. like, are they being tested that, that yeah, yeah, you can collect this? You've got these people need rescuing, so they're on a second rescue mission. Yeah. And then you need but the, the thing from that the first you one. From the first one, they also collected something. That's really good. And they good. need what they collected on the first one for this, to do the rescue mission. Yeah, that's second. a good point. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Is there anything there <coughs> this week that might help them? Yeah, that's very yeah, good. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to think. <coughs> well, and I'm thinking, well, Tilly saved some of the rock. Yeah, <laughs> Tilly saved... They've, yeah. there's, they've got the camera. They've got the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be something from the rings. Or, anyway, we'll but, see... But let's go we'll back see to... see where we go next yeah. time. 
Um, so they've got they decide that they're going to prevent this um, this extinction level event, which some people have said kind of is that violating the Prime Directive because you should let them get wiped out. Um, but I think we we've, we've no, seen. I think we've seen this in TOS. We uh, have. Is it? Um, oh, what's the episode called? Where the meteor is heading towards the Indian style. Oh, uh, it's the one where Kirk loses men- yeah. memory. Oh, what is the episode called now? Paradise Lost, pa- is it? Not Paradise I'm Lost. They signed a Paradise no, that's a different one. Friday's yeah. Child. Right, but. I think. So. <laughs> this is Captain Jim coming to you from the editing suite. The episode that we couldn't think of is, of course, the Paradise Syndrome from season three of the original series. Apologies for our lack of knowledge there, but um, I can assure you we did know it. It just um, took a little time and a glance at the Star Trek encyclopedia. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, it's the... So, it has been shown before that the track is stopping the meteor. It has, yeah. Uh, in um, the start of Star Trek Beyond, it's a very similar thing as yeah. well. So not Beyond uh, into Darkness. So yeah, I don't have a problem with. Them, I have no problem with them deciding the to stop a meteor hitting yeah. them, um, in, interfering on the planet's surface. Different, but in the yeah. s- in space, they can stop a meteor hitting somebody. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I don't have an issue with that one. Um, and then. We get that great line from Saru where he says, Discovery will not allow a disaster on her watch. Which I really, really like how Saru and Pike, uh, they're instilling um, a pride among the crew in the ship. Yeah. And that's kind of built from when Saru first took over from Lorca and he said, this is our maiden voyage. Uh, I really like that they're yeah. building this camaraderie and everything. Um, we then go back to the planet and we get more into the the Pike and Burnham debate and whether we should save the people, are they a pre-warp civilization? Um, Burnham says the faith they cling to is a lie and Pike's response is, can you prove it? Yeah, Which, is it a lie because they have been moved by something? Yeah, they have been, and it, it does come back to this. They have been moved <coughs> by something. There's no technological in, footprint or anything no, to show we how they've been moved. Yeah. They've been moved by something they don't understand at a speed they don't understand yeah. in an impossible way. And, so, it's, it, and it's something that we still can't explain at this stage in the timeline. You no. know, It wasn't the mycelial network, which is the only thing we know can do that. So, yeah, and it, it does come down to this thing of even if it it's not a god in inverted commas, is there anything wrong with thinking of it as that when the things it has done to all intents and purposes are Which godlike. Which take, takes us back to Arthur C. Clarke's yeah, third law. exactly. You know... Th- we, that's what we're, we're in, at the realms of Arthur C. Clarke's third yeah. law. And I think that's something that we're probably going to have to remember a lot through this yes. series. <laughs> this season. And then I like that the Jacob character is very clever. He works out what's going on. Pike tries to blag it by saying, oh, we've always had this thing in my family. It's for navigation and this guy's having none of it. And he locks them all in a basement. Um, I like the way the escape's very sort of 18 MacGyver. Yeah. We, we need well, a magnet. Let's find a magnet. And it's Joanne. Yeah, and it's Joanne doing it again, <laughs> which is good. Showing. Yeah, it is a Burnham for a change. He's come and up with a solution. No. And doing it. It's Joanne. It's a different member of the... And that makes sense tying into this Luddite thing, that Joanne would know how to do things practically. Yeah. 
I mean, it, okay, it's not a huge leap to get a magnet, but... <laughs> and it's lucky they've got a very strong magnet, because that's thick wood. <laughs> but either way, it's, it, it is good, and it shows... It shows Joanne's capability, which is really good. Pike gives a very direct order to Burnham not to break cover, which is going to come back in later yeah. on. Um, we then get that scene where Tilly's absolutely hyper and goes to the bridge. Oh, and yeah, she so works it all out. I love this scene. Yeah, it was it's, really good. It, all, all I can think is donuts in a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> Though, okay, if we're going to be really picky... When she actually does the manoeuvre, it's not... It, it's more of a... Well, more of an arc rather yeah, than a donut. I don't... It's, it's that the camera angle's moving with the ship yeah, as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd have liked to see the ship doing a... Yeah, full, I would have liked, I'd to, have have liked to have seen a full, full donut. donut. But I love it where she's, got, where she's trying to explain it and it's... Just think of it as doing a donut in a yeah. spaceship. And we learned that Detmer's had a pilot's license since she was 12. Yeah. Which is quite cool. I like as well the way um, when they've come up with this plan that they're going to they're have to jump into the ring and everything. And Sarah just says, run, Mr. Stamets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really good. But it's Stamets who says that we'll yeah, jump in. It is, it, yeah. He got caught up in all the, yeah. in the crew working together, the and bridge crew, all, all pooled in different parts of how to Yeah, that's it. it. Everybody has something to do. And it also shows that even though Stamets has all these reservations, if it's a case of saving lives, he's going to go yeah. do it. You know, there's no sort of hesitation yeah. there. Back on the planet then, we've got Jacob talking to the council. Um, he's appealing to Burnham. He's saying, you're the scientist. Come on, you can explain it all. And we have this bit where the fa- one of the kids is playing with oh. a phaser. Pike being the courageous well, captain we're here, he is. Well, here it's starting to charge up. Yeah. It is... The sound isn't an overload charge. It's no. a different sound to... Because I think a lot of people... I've seen a lot of them going, oh, the phaser was on overload and Pike jumped on it. And yeah, it, it should have been obliterated should have been all obliterated. this business. No, it wasn't... It wasn't on overload. It was on charge-up. Yeah. It's a sound that you could hear. That's the thing as well. And, and he actually got hit with a full-on stun. Yeah. Because if it had been on overload, it would have taken the old church with yeah. it and everything yeah. else. Yeah, so. it would have been local. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, uh, again, Pike just being awesome, very courageous, jumps on it and everything. And that sets us up nicely for for the sort of culmination of Burnham's arc in this episode. She's now in a position where she either follows the order and doesn't break cover, or she does what she thinks is what she wants to do, um, which is to explain to them what's going on. And notably in this episode, she, she follows orders. She follows the captain's order, and she later when she talks to Pike, Pike she deliberately calls that out and says, "You know, I know what happens if you don't follow orders." So yeah, that's good. Seeing where she's gone there. So Burnham says, "You know, let's go to the church. Let's play for deliverance." So she's keeping him with the locals, and she's yeah. not compromising their position there. And you get this lovely scene where everything kind of comes to a head, and it. Really, it's quite a bit of good luck because they witness the beaming up and, of course, the locals take that. As to being delivered. Yeah, to be a confirmation (laughs) of that. So it doesn't break the cover. It maintains everything there. And it also, that's enough for the locals for them to go, okay, well, the angel or whatever they call their deity must have taken them. Yeah. So it's a nice explanation for where they've gone 
and it wraps it up quite, it does it like wraps it up nicely yeah quite neatly so they get out of there they've saved the day and um we're just sort of left now with what's going on yeah how we wrap it all up in terms yeah. of the impact it's had on the characters i like that when they pull off the donut maneuver and everything uh we get again that flash of the star trek fanfare and we get, this is where we get the the revelation of May where she calls us Stilly. Yeah. And that's it, what causes Tilly to go and look into it. Did you notice that she went to Musk High School? Which I presume is Elon Musk. It was probably named ah, after. I never picked up on that. Yeah, I thought that must have been... Yeah, that makes sense. And if I've done my sums right, which you know I may well not have done, and I'm sure someone will, will correct me, it looks like May died when she was 16. Yeah. So fr- from what I worked out there. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And, uh, yeah, I did, as I've said, I think I think we're going to get a lot more on that and we're going to get more about yeah. the silly old... Yeah, I think it could all tie in, tie in together quite a little, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, the clearly, the writers are planting the seeds here for stuff we're going to pick up on. Oh, None of this is just going to be dismissed. We get a final scene with Burnham and Pike, and Pike says, don't make me laugh. And Burnham says, luckily I was raised on Vulcan. Vulcan and he starts laughing. Yeah, which, very good. Which makes him laugh. Yeah. But and she then she then tells him, opens up to him. Yeah, she admits she te- about the she angel tells now. what she saw on the asteroid. She trusts him. He's one of trust. Yeah. Which is really good that he's got to that stage and she's got to a stage where she admits, um, you know, I know what happens if you don't follow orders. So, yeah. you know, she's come a long way as well from when we first met her in season one. I like that Pike, and it's possibly because of this upbringing that he says he had, where there was science and religion and everything, and he doesn't seem to dismiss anything at this stage. No, you know? all he said is, all it, gives, it gives us more, con- more context. More context. Yeah, so he is willing to look at both sides of this and work out what's going on. And then Burnham again sort of defers to him and says, you know, there would be a benefit to getting this helmet cam and to admitting to Jacob what's gone on, but it's a captain that needs to make that decision. She recognises that that is not her place to do it. And... Well, it is breaking general order one, but Jacob, his family know that they came from Earth. Yeah. And it's, it's that thing again, are you breaking the prime directive yeah. of people who've been abducted from Earth? And the other thing is as well, they're this not... This isn't a, a, a civilization that's... No, it's not a new civilization. Yeah. This, these are abductees. Yeah, it, <laughs> absolutely. And the thing with Jacob is as well, like, they're, they're not giving him any new information. They're no. basically just confirming what he knows. Yeah, they're confirming what he thinks. Yeah, we are from Earth. We now travel around the galaxy. Yeah. Um, we can't do anything else. We can't rescue you. We can't interfere in you in what's happening. But I am willing to trade you a power supply for the for the, for the helmet, helmet cam. cam. And this isn't unprecedented unprecedented either. Um, this idea of kind of revealing yourself to one person. I mean, we saw it in the short treks with Saru. Yeah. That's how Saru came okay. to join Starfleet. Uh, in the Next-gen episode, First Contact, not the film, the the episode. Picard goes and talks to one of them there. Yeah. 
and um, I'm sure there's other examples of episodes oh, the, where they've gone and spoke to one individual yeah. and said, you know, we'll we'll talk to you about it, but we can't speak to the whole civilization. So um, Pike does go down and see him, and I like the conversation that they have where he's saying, oh, so you fly around in ships and stuff, and Pike's just got a smile like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's not sort of condescending, it's Pike sort of realises how wondrous that is. Yeah. You know, there's it's this look of someone who realises that he's got the best job in the world, you know? <laughs> so, I like I like all of that. I like that he gets the camera and everything. And I like um, how Jacob ends up saying, you know, it's okay, you don't need to do anything else as long as I know the truth I'm, I'm ha- is good yeah. enough for me, you know? And that's... I now have the truth. Yeah, and that's all he needed. And so, and it shows then that Pike was right in making that decision. It's not going to do any damage. It's put this bloke out of his misery wondering what on earth's going on. And it's furthered the mission. Um, we get the the very final scene then. Not too surprising is Pike views the helmet cam. And sure the, enough, we see the Red Angel. There's chaos going on and there's Red Angels in the doorway of the church. And that's it. So they... <laughs> They transported the people and the church, was my understanding. Yeah, they took the whole thing. All the people who run into the church. Yeah. And I think I think churches have that thing that, even if you don't believe in that religion, in times of danger, you tend to congregate. People yeah, congregate and in you, churches. you can seek sanctuary in a church yeah, and so, everything. So, like, they said the population, what did they say, 11,000 people? 11,000. It's been 200 years. Yeah. So if they took a couple of hundred people in that church... That'd make sense, It'd yeah. make sense. There's enough time for... Yeah, it would do. That I'd, sort of... Yeah, that all that all gels with me. And, and you've also got that thing that people are taking sanctuary. So you've got half a dozen different religions have all put the yeah. little bit into it. Yeah, which again, all makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> um, so you're, you're still thinking it's the Iconians I, and everything. I'm, yeah, and especially after watching Contagion and... This, this morning, like, watching Discovery, I'm going back and I'm watching all sorts of other yeah, old, yeah. old episodes just to try and fill bits in. But after watching Contagion, what happened to the Amoto, I really think, yeah, that ties in what's hap- what we've been told happened mm. to the Enterprise. The only sort of question I've got there, then, is, historically, we've known that they use gateways, well, whereas this doesn't appear to be a gateway. Well... We don't. Well, actually, um, we've now got possibly evidence of a gateway. We've got a whole church mm. from Earth has been transported fifty-one thousand light years instantaneously to another planet. That's true, but it didn't <laughs> pass through a gateway. No, but they would have had to have dropped the gateway on. Yeah, them. but is there some? Maybe so. I mean, I'm. I'm not. You know. Like, I'm not saying it's not the Like, there's also the thing, are they, like, are they testing Discovery because they've um, detected that it's using the MySerial network? Yeah, And maybe the gateways works, worked on something like that. That's how they, they could travel anywhere well, that's instantaneously. A, that's another theory. But they were, they were a lot more advanced with it, so they didn't need all the spinning round yeah. and everything. Well, that's another theory, and I don't claim this one as my own. I read this somewhere. Uh, but it said... What this could be is that this is another species' version of first contact. Yeah. So we 
Oh, we. I said the Federation gets in touch with people when they realise they can do warp drive. Maybe there's this civilization that once you've harnessed the mycelial network, the they go, right, you're advanced enough yeah. to come to us now. And I suppose that would make sense as well. With or, or maybe that's the red lights testing. Yeah, testing them to see if they can do it. That'd, yeah, that'd fit with, because they make them jump right across the galaxy to see if they can... Yeah. They could do... Yeah, if, they, if they've seen them use the mycelial network once then it'd be, well, let's make them go somewhere across the galaxy to see if they can do it again, kind of thing. So yeah, that'd be a, a very interesting take. Um, but it'd be one of those where, well, whatever this species are, why haven't we seen them again, I suppose. But then, on the other hand, original series used to introduce loads of these really advanced species yeah, that you never, never saw again. again. Like the Organians and... Well, it could, uh, it could be a lot of these different ones. And, yeah, oh, it could be. All sorts. So, you're still sticking with Iconians. I'm going to stick with Iconians. Any other theories or plot points that you want to see coming up? I, well, I've... Like, we speculated last time when we were see Spock. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see Spock next episode. Again, I'm not sure. Uh, the reason I'm not sure is because I've heard that next episode uh, we're going back to the Klingons. I've heard we're going to bring Laurel and Tyler slash Vok back in. Well, we did hear uh, Sarek say in the first uh, episode, the Klingons were aware. Yes, they've had a a red light. They were aware of these red lights. So it makes you wonder if the Klingons have messed it up. (laughs) Like if they find one of them and attack it. Surely the Klingons wouldn't do that, attack well, something. <laughs> so I wonder if there's going to be a red burst inside Klingon territory and they're going to have to go sort oh. of pull the resources with Laurel and oh, find that'd out. that'd be interesting. Yeah, so maybe that's where we're going next week, but uh, as far as I know, that is going to be the case that we're, we're revisiting Supposedly the Klingons. Supposedly the Klingons have been uh, re-imaged again. Yeah, well, they've grown the hair back, I think, yeah. is, um, is going to be the main thing. Because that that was the main thing, really, is that they were bald. Like, the, the makeup did look a bit different. Yeah. But not unrecognisable. But that had made them all bald. If you just put hair on them, then it would have made sense. And there is... I know I've, that's been floating around as this theory, that the reason they're bald is because they were at war, and it ties into the early stories of Kalis, because Kalis forged the first battleth out of a strand of his hair. Ah, that and shaved so, the hair. So Kalis had to shave his head to make the first battleth. So when they go to war they do the same to to match Kalis. And then people said, Well, why haven't they done it since? And I think the answer to that is because the Klingons that were seen in this era are much more devoutly religious than yeah, the, the ones we see further down the line. So yeah, I that's what I've heard again I don't think that's been well, it hasn't been confirmed on screen yet. But if if that turns out to be the explanation, I'm I'm happy to go with that for now. That sounds like a fe- fairly decent explanation. Yeah. And there's certainly I've seen pictures of Laurel with hair, so Yeah, I've seen the pictures and it looks good. So we're gonna find out next week hopefully what's going on there. So back to whether we'll see Spock. I mean, I get the feeling that when we do see Spock we're not going to see him early in an episode. I think we're going to get him right at the end. Yeah. And he's going to say something like, hello, Michael, or hello, sister. And boom, that'll be and it. And then he'll Credits. be... For... 
yeah. the next one. Yeah. That, that's my, so there's no reason, even if we do get a very Klingon-heavy episode, there's no reason it can't finish with yeah. the introduction. Because I stuff. get the feeling that now, now that Pike knows that Spock had seen the images of the lights yeah. two months before it, the Federation detected them, that yes. he'd seen this. Well, that's that it. They're going to want to bring him oh, in we, we, on board. Yeah, they, they've got to go see Spock for the mission they're on. But I would imagine if something big happens with the Klingons, that would have to be the priority for now. So, yeah, we can't keep diverting away from Spock yeah. every week. We've got to get to him sooner rather than later. So I think there'll be another red... Like, there's been seven... They said there's seven lights, so... Yeah. We've got 14 episodes. <laughs> yeah. So we've had two of them already. Yeah. So, so we really can have... we've got weeks that we don't need to yeah. have red We can lights. have a couple of weeks Maybe off. it could get a, a bit... Maybe it could get a bit too samey if every week we have a red light. Yeah, red light we, of the week. <laughs> yeah, we've got the red light emergency. We've got to go there. Oh, there's this to save. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we've got to break it up a little bit. So maybe it will be just something completely different. Maybe Laurel or Tyler will need the help. But we'll no doubt find out next week. And... I think that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah, I think we've summed up this episode. But we do have our competition. The very good people at WarpedCon agreed to give us some VIP tickets to give away. Woohoo! Well, we're, we're, we're also going. We are. <laughs> we might not get the VIP treatment, but... Well, we'll be there as press. But one of our <laughs> listeners is going to get the VIP... Or two, in fact, are going to get the VIP treatment. We've had a load of entries to the competition, but... The winner that we are about to draw out of a hat is Matthew Dean. So congratulations. Well done. Get in touch with us. Forward us your email address and we'll make sure that you get those tickets sent to you. And we will see you August the 31st, September the 1st. Absolutely. Doncaster Racecourse. Where we're going to be meeting the answers were Tim Russ... And Marina Sirtis with the Star Trek crew. Though the people at WarpedCon have dropped a few hints that that might not be the end of the announcements. So keep an eye on their website. Keep an eye on the Retrek group. And we will see you there. This has been Retrek on Krypton Radio and of course available on your podcatcher of choice. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. And we're also on Gmail retrekpod at gmail.com or you can look us up on facebook just search for the retrek group and you're more than welcome to join thank you for trekking with us this week we will see you next time for the retrek